Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. LARP, tabletop, mush, and everything in between. We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have a better experience at your game, because the only way to win at a role-playing game is to, to have, have fun! fun. I'm Ryan, I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie, the woo, legend, woo, 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 and Jason, the favorite. And I'm also the one who started yet another project that I probably will not finish. Oh, oh wait, I've got two this week. And I'm finally slowly getting used to having headphones on. Okay. I'm still not a fan. Yeah. That is true, though. Like, I I didn't have to point them out to you. You just put them on. So that was... Yeah. It's echoey. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. It it can seem that way. Yeah. Yeah. I I used to think that it was something wrong with your settings, but it's not. It sounds fine when I listen to it later. It's because you're hearing yourself, like, a millisecond after you're hearing yourself. And that's all it is. Yeah. I think it's the table, too. (laughs) <laughs> the table? I yeah. think you just... Okay, I'm going to say... Uh, this is going to be loud. That echo, that exact sound... Yeah. That's what I hear. That that resonance that the table gives off. It's weird. Thump and it. I hear a similar thing when you talk, but it's this. <laughs> Look, Ryan, we know that's what you hear when everybody talks. It's true. <laughs> the Gosh. only person who matters on this podcast... Is Carrie. Oh, It's nice when you lie. I know. I'm really good at it, too. Are you? You're great at bragging in ways that people believe. Well, we got a cool cool episode of the podcast for you today. We're going to be talking about... Oh, we're doing that today? The cool one? Oh, yeah. We're going to put that off till next week. No, we'll do it today. Okay. Okay. We're going to be talking about rare and unusual characters and creatures. But before we do that, we'd also like to talk about the fact that we have a Patreon. So our Patreon is at patreon.com slash podcast, And it's this really cool thing where you can agree to give a little bit of money to help keep the show going and on the air. And it pays for our hosting and things like that. And Mm -hmm. in exchange, you can get free stuff. Like you can get thank you postcards and you can get art prints from Carrie and copies of my book that the podcast based on and other things. Uh, shout outs on the podcast. Oh, and at the oh. $10,000 level, I'll drive to your house once a month and give you a hug. <laughs> that is a, we, we need to ask we're, for $10,000. Can they choose to never have you come to their house? <laughs> oh no, that's even higher. Right. <laughs> well, one of the things that you can get on the Patreon is a shout out on the podcast. And so, so let's do it. Yeah. First of all, are there any new patrons this week? There are! Yay! Yay! All right, tell us. Um, Our brand new patron is Joel Eastland. Aww. So, like, he's an old Chicago friend of yours? Yeah. Is that correct? His collars do not run. Oh, goodness. His um, collars do not run? That's right. Satin rules. Is that like collar greens? No. Because that's what we have down here. <laughs> yeah. Now, no. many, many years ago, he was in charge of writing rumors for a game that we ran. Sure. And it was supposed to say these colors don't run. And he wrote, these collars don't run? It was was supposed to be a tattoo on a body they found. Like, it was supposed to be a clue. Oh, okay, so, But when the players, he he misspelled it, and so it said collars don't run, and it was a werewolf game, and so all of the players thought it was a jab. Like, Like because the the dog's wearing collars. Because the dog's wearing collars. And so, like, they took us, like, 40 minutes to figure out why the players were so angry. About this tattoo and why they got so riled up and by it. And it turns out the reason they were so upset was bad English. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it was did, like did that, y'all correct them or run with it? We ran with it. Yeah. And then like two weeks later, he did satin rules. <laughs> Instead of Satan rules. And we were like, oh. Yeah. And so at that point, we had to create this whole plot about clothing. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Because it was, it was, that was on it. <laughs> I met y'all once, right? We had pizza together? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think you have. Yeah. Joel once played the best King Albrecht of the werewolves that I've ever seen play. Oh, yeah. Carrie told me about that mm-hmm. one time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Joel's a big dude. Like, he's almost as tall as Ryan. He's yes. of size. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he, he's a fireman, you know, so mm-hmm. he's got he's able to knock down doors and do what he needs to His do. His nickname is the Rhino. Uh, yeah. The Love Rhino. The Love <laughs> Rhino. Yeah. 
Yeah, chicks dig firemen. Uh, he played King Albrecht with this swagger that I've never seen anybody else play him with. Mm-hmm. Because usually people walk in and they're regal. And they're, and they're like, you know, everyone should respect me. But I'm that's the not the king. character, really, is but it? That's not really the character, but that's how everyone thinks the character should be. And instead, he walked in with a dingy trench coat on and a cigarette in his hand. And he didn't say anything to anyone. He just walked up to the bar that was at the location we were at. And he just kind of nodded to the kinfolk that was behind the bar and was like, I'll, I'll take a beer. And then and other characters... Brilliant. Other characters just came up and started drinking with him, and he hung out. And, like, they didn't realize who he was at first, and then right. they were like, I just had a beer with the king. Right. But we and, forget that in genre, King Albrecht was, he was the people's king. Yep. You know? I think that's, re- you know, we've talked about this before, but genre is important, and this is part of the reason why. <laughs> right. Because it gives you complete characters if it's done properly. Mm-hmm. So who else do we have on the list, Carrie? Uh, we have Ryan Martin. Oh! Who's my favorite, Ryan? That's true. Even though I think Ryan Martin's pretty much I'm uh, a groundhog. Like what do you he, mean by that? He pokes his head up, oh, looks true. around, and then you don't see him for a while, and you're like, "Wait, is, is spring coming or no? <laughs> I don't know." He has a very busy life. He does. He yeah. does. Drew Stevens is also one of our backers who That's gets yay, a shout out. Drew he needs Stevens. to run us a game at Canuga like he didn't this year. Oh, uh, Drew. Drew, yeah. Drew, Drew. Okay. What about Noah Coltrip? What, what about, about him? him? What about him? <laughs> you always say that. Like, I do say we that. We should That's know. <laughs> okay, okay. He sent in a great survey. He did send it. That's true. <laughs> okay. That's what about him. That's right. All right, and, and then our last wizard level backer is Sarah. Ra, 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 ra. Well, what do you do if you want to shout out? If you want to shout out, we'd love to give you one, and you can do that by helping us keep the show on the air by going to patreon.com slash podcast and becoming a patron. You get free stuff, too. You yes. do. We on a roll, not honor roll. No, right. not honor. Correct. There is no honor here. <laughs> All right, well, when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting here at this table recording a podcast. Carrie, tell us what's new this week. I have so much art. To I do. know. So it's, what was it? You picked up two more commissions, uh, right? I did. Oh my gosh! And and like I'm actually starting to get nervous because I've never had this many commissions like lined up at one time before. Well, you know when most really great artists are in this situation, they drink heavily and uh, avoid the responsibility. I might have to start doing that because I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> if I come home one day and go get the mail and discover that you've sent me your ear in an envelope, oh. I'm gonna be. We're gonna have words. You won't hear them. I won't. But hear we'll them. have words. <laughs> no, no. It's it's awesome, but it's really a little intimidating. It's your year. I hope. I hope it is. It's got to be. It has to be. I. This is the make it or break it year. This is the year either I start paying bills with my art or I hang it up and I go work at Walmart. Carrie, if people were interested in looking at your art, where can they find you at? Patreon.com slash Carrie Varner. And uh, what about you stream, right? Yeah, you um, stream. I do stream on Twitch and that's uh, Real Fun Studios. Twitch.tv? Dot TV slash Real Fun Studios and I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook and also Instagram. Also at Real Fun Studios on those? T- yeah, all, all of those are Real Fun Studios. Oh, do you push your art on Instagram? Uh-huh. I didn't realize that. I'll, That's okay. I, I might actually have to look at Instagram for once. <gasps> it's because you're a bad friend. It's uh, okay. Her real friends knew do that. You, do you back her? What have you been up to this week, <laughs> <laughs> Uh What have I been up to this week? I... Went to do jail? something. No, I did not in a while. <laughs> I did go to jail. You once. went to a convention yesterday. Have you, wait, 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 you've been in jail before. You didn't know that. No, I, thought I told you this story. I'm fascinated. Oh, dear. Okay, so okay. Like, you know how when you uh, are driving along through one of those shitty little counties that have lots of speed traps, South Pittsburgh. Uh, no, they're not anywhere near <laughs> as bad as Dade County, the tiny little bit of Georgia that sticks into Tennessee between here and my house. Oh. And I got a ticket there once, and I forgot all about it. Ooh. And I moved and changed jobs a couple of times in that so, year. So you didn't get any reminder notices? Oh, no, or... I got plenty of those. <laughs> oh. I just forgot anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you so sound, this, sounds, this sounds a lot like the story of Carrie and I paying our student loans. Ah, it's similar uh... to that, except for the part that if you don't pay your speeding tickets long enough, they will take away your license. Wow. And okay. Yeah, they then, don't take away your license for what? Yeah. If you forget about that... And you keep driving. Jason! Oh! 
And then you're driving an old beat up car where one window is a towel that you have draped over the window so that the rain won't blow in on you. Oh my gosh. And it's only got one headlight that works. We did not think that you could get more ghetto redneck. And it's only got one windshield wiper because the other one fell off. And it's just a piece of duct tape wrapped around the metal so they won't scratch your window. They will pull you over. What? They will. And then what do they do when they pull you over? They run your license. Yeah. Did they did were they did they bless you with an overnight? Oh, okay. No, I didn't quite stay overnight. I said there's a lot more to this story. So this week on a very special episode of I, I, so Marty freaks out because well, yeah. they arrest me on the spot. Was she with you? Yes. Okay. I go to jail that night and she has to bail me out. That takes six hours. Right. But that is not a fast process. No. And it's after midnight because we were actually coming back from a LARP. So it is relevant. Yeah, it's relevant. Yeah, it's it was brings sort of, it back around. Sort of overnight. You know that whole uh, check your investment thing? I right. was bad at that for a long time. <laughs> so uh, I spend like six or seven hours on a tiny cot in a freezing cold jail cell with oh. uh, no blanket or anything, of course, because they won't even answer the door. And one of those stainless steel toilets slash drinking fountains. Right. Uh, finally get out. And then about a month later, I finally am getting my life back together. And I start this new job. And it's paying decent. And uh, I go to court. And the lady goes, well, da-da-da-da-da. Um, goes through this whole list of things. And I'm like, well, this is going to be okay. There was like four or five people ahead of me. All DUIs. All of them got sent to jail for 48 hours. So I said, well... I was worried that it might be bad. I'm just going to get a really nasty ticket because right. what I did was nothing compared, compared to the DUIs in front of me. Yeah, I was wrong. Oh no! <laughs> I think, and and I got to tell you, as just a regular person who's had friends killed by people who were drunk driving, yeah. that's horrible. Right. So I went to jail for 48 hours. I lost my job because I missed two days of work. Right. Uh, <sighs> within the first like. I'd been working there about two weeks, and I came in because I could. I had time to go back home, and then I had to report in like three or four days. Right. So I go to work. I'm like, hey, I had something come up, uh, and I just went ahead and gave them the whole spiel. Look, I messed up. My license got taken away. I've got it fixed. I'm getting it fixed, but yeah. I had to go to jail for two days, and that's going to be Thursday and Friday of this week. And they're like, well, don't worry about it. Just go home and never come back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that stinks. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, I I, uh, went to jail for two days, which was more boring than anything. Because we were in a big big jail cell. Uh, Clear and Peasant Danger. You remember the movie? Yeah. Well, I read the book. That's what I did while I was in there. (laughs) Because I had two days, and there was a stack of paperbacks. So I read that and another paperback while I was there. There was literally nothing for me to do. It was actually more boring than anything. Oh, and I found out that they only feed you twice a day. I found that out after I threw away most of my breakfast because I wasn't very hungry. Oh. And then I didn't get fed again. That was like 8 in the morning, and they got fed again at 5 that night. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so anyway, it was a whole thing, and that was, uh, crap, almost 15, 16 years ago, I guess, at this yeah. point. Wow. Yeah. So you know how, like, when you're younger, you're kind of, like, assume that the government works? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I got hit with a $2,000 bill for my, uh, what do you call it? Probation. Probation officer. I had, uh, like, six months of probation. The very first time that I talked to my probation officer, he says, you owe me $2,000. As soon as you pay that back, you never have to talk to me again. And I'm like, oh, it's a scam. <laughs> it's a scam for money. Uh-huh. I understand now. <laughs> you know? Uh, so anyway. All right, this podcast got weird. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> and that's one of the many, many mistakes in my life that my good friends get to hear about occasionally. And how that, uh, it wasn't so bad, really. It was just the money that bothered me more. <laughs> oh, the, here, the capper to the whole thing is, my mom, I tried not to tell her. But it came down to the fact that somebody other than my wife needed to know that right. I was going to be in jail for two days on the off chance that something happened. Yeah. Shivved by playing basketball. Well, no, who knows? Who knows? Is something that happened to my wife? Right. What is right. she going to do? Fair. Right? That's fair. That's uh, fair. And so we finally broke down and told my parents because we the original plan was just never to tell them. <laughs> we will never speak of this again. Right. And we were just <laughs> never going to tell them. We were just going to see what happened uh, and get through it. And like I said, about, about a week out, we, we finally all got crap. We got to tell them. 
So we did, and we told him, and Dad basically said I was an idiot. And I was like, well, you're yeah. not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. This is all right. my fault. I messed up. But, you know, hell, I'm going to jail for it, so, you know, I'm being punished. Uh, and then we left, and about two hours later, we lived within walking distance of my parents at the time. Right. Uh, my dad shows up on the door, and he, he says, hey, you just made your mom cry. She's terrified that something bad's going to happen to you when you're in jail. So, uh, here's the deal. And this, like, my dad doesn't talk like this ever. Right. He says, if you ever fucking make your mom cry again, I'm going to burn your fucking house down. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you're out of it first. I don't want you to get hurt or anything. <laughs> but you're not going to have a fucking house again if you make your mother cry like that. That was probably the most weird, bad <laughs> part of the whole experience. And then, of course, they drove me down there and they picked me back up. But uh, it was weird. Wow. Yeah. Pr- prison hardened. Oh, shoo. it was. <laughs> I tell you what, though. It's the it, weirdest episode it intro is. ever. So, like. Uh, it's so the weird part about we're, the whole we're thing We're already me, at 18 minutes, and right. I just can't stop you. <laughs> the weird thing about the whole thing is that um, that's, like, it, it changed my perspective. because you Mine, meet, too. Okay, you meet <laughs> people in your life that, that are like, ah, oh, shit, you know, I've been to jail, like, or da-da-da-da. We're going to have to think, change it. You're not going to be the favorite anymore. Now you're, like, the, the felon. Oh. <laughs> so you, I meet people, and they're like, I've been to jail for one reason or another. And, you know, up until that point in my life, I'm like, well, that's because you're a garbage person. And I didn't realize it could be that. <laughs> because you're, you're stupid. You're just right? dumb. You've yeah. done something really dumb, and you didn't take care of something you should have. Okay, so what's this episode about, Ryan? I don't remember anymore. Uh, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I did. in jail. <laughs> Like, I don't even want to talk about my week because I can't follow that up. So, <laughs> well, I do have the best stories. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and head on into uh, into combat rounds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's time for combat rounds. Today, we're going to be talking about characters and creatures and things that are rare and unusual. So people who are playing them. Specifically for people playing them and for people running games. uh, With with them them. in it. Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing we should do is just talk a little bit about rare and unusual creatures, like what that is. Because I know that for people who LARP, you're probably familiar with it. A lot of, like MES and One World by Night, uh, the big LARP orgs, they call them R and U. Like, it's short for rare and unusual. They have, like, R and U uh, regulations, rules in their things uh, about who can play them or how many can exist in a game and things like that. You know, what, what is a rare or unusual creature. Right, well, I mean, we all talk about vampire a lot, but I would say that in D&D, um, it'd be like a kinder because most most games don't have them. Right. So yeah. what would be what would you define that as though? So rare and unusual I think is two different things, but they make up the same sort of types of groups. Yeah. I think that rare is anything that is uh, not a common playable character, mm-hmm. right? So, like, a rare creature would be a uh, a kinder or a knoll, well, you know, or... Here's, or, here's a real-life example. We, you know, there's that uh, Facebook thing has been going around lately, again, about how that you had feudal Japanese samurai that existed at the same time as, like, Mexican banditos. Right. So, in theory, if you were had a setting that was in Mexico, you could have... A samurai there. And, but that but would be weird. It would be rare. Yeah, it would be incredibly rare. Right. And then unusual is anything that's not a common aspect to a common type of playable character. Oh. Right? So so rare would be like that, like having a samurai in a Mexican bandito game. But unusual would be like having a Mexican bandito game in which one of the Mexican banditos used a samurai sword. Okay. Yep. Okay. 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 So I, I, I can buy that distinction. But ultimately, what it just means is things that are not "quote unquote" normal to the genre of the game that you are running. Fair. Okay. All right. As a as a character, so they may fit into the larger setting, but they're not uh, the common. average. They're not or common. common. Yeah. yeah. They're they're both rare and or unusual. In Dungeons and Dragons, a a usual and common. Species or race, I guess. Elf, is human. Elf, human. Dwarf. Dwarf. Right. Uh, unusual Dwarf. would be a kender or a knoll or something For like a long that. time, tiefling, but I believe 
fifth edition makes them more common? Yeah, bit. I think they're more common right? now. If you're playing a Star Trek game, you know, a, a rare species or race would be like, you know, if it was an all Starfleet game, it would be uh, rare to run into a Borg. Right. <laughs> as a player. Like if the other, another player would not play it, necessarily play a Borg as a common element to your game. Uh, as uh, And also like ha- halvesies. <laughs> So you mean like uh, something that's half dwarf, half elf? Right. Okay. Right? Like that would be rare. Mm -hmm. It'd certainly be unusual. It would certainly be unusual. (laughs) It would be, but isn't, if a, (laughs) if a dwarf and an elf. I don't know what that would look like. It would be Uh, human. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Uh, humans came to be. Dwarves and elves got together. It's my half demon, half angel, vampire. Uh, uh, wear sharp gargoyle abomination. Motorcycle riding. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So the obvious rare and unusual thing would be a species or a race. Yeah. Usually right. in most of these games. Yeah. Uh, they're, I you know, believe there's some about, rare classes too. Or right. Well, and, then, and that kind of gets into the, the second second reason something could be rare and unusual. So the first is is the very simple race or species, okay? Mm-hmm. Then the second one is 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 they have a quality that is rare and unusual. Like you use an unusual weapon like in the the Bendito example. Right. Or an albino drow. Right. So you oh, don't have like a regular drow. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying any of these are good or bad concepts. Uh, it could will. be but a, it could be a <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, to be fair if you lived in the Underdark, you wouldn't be uh, dark-colored. You'd be light-colored. I, I don't like drow anyway. I think they're <laughs> annoying. So I, I like the idea of a setting that's evil creatures. I think that the drow are not great, though. Because yeah, the only interesting drow character is one that's playing against the... Uh, type? The type. Which what? is bad because that makes them a rare and unusual default. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, I think other qualities that can make something rare or unusual is like if they're they're an undercover spy pretending to be something they're not. Oh. Right? If your whole game, if all of the player characters in your game are playing secret spies. Yes. Then it's not, it's, you know. Well, I want to do that and not let anybody know. Right. If players were capable of keeping that secret but they're out not. of game. But yeah. they're not. so good. Another quality that might make a creature rare and unusual could be uh, like they're in an unusual situation. Like specifically, that would be your samurai in the bandito set setting. Um, could be you're a Klingon in a Starfleet game, right? right? Worf was rare and unusual, even if, though in the setting they had what joined the Federation. Is that correct? They, had they were no. I thought they had the already first. moving. He was the first. He was the first. Okay. Right. If, Star if Trek is bad for that though. They have lots of rare and unusual. Well, like for real though, if you look almost every star trek show i mean spock they've all got a first they've all got the first spock is the first um first vulcan in starfleet and and he's also the first half vulcan half human mm-hmm. deep space nine nog is the first ferengi in star trek mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like they, they've all like star trek is kind of rough in that sense because well, they're maybe always it makes a little... it work because it's one but it's not just and technically they, they do. <laughs> I mean, look look at deep or look at uh, seven of nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first Borg in Starfleet. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I hate that character so much. Right, but that's look, a, these are qualities that make them rare and unusual. That's true. Uh, it could also be something like they're cursed, right? right. If you've got a, a mm-hmm. goofy curse, that could like make you rare. Look, my or character's unusual. dark. I can't look at peanut butter without vomiting. Yeah, you know that's well, that's a rough dark. curse. That is. <laughs> So what else could make still eat it. a character rare or unusual? <laughs> blindfold yourself. <laughs> like if you had a power that's not normal for your game. Sure, mm-hmm. okay. In a werewolf game, it might be like the, the Silent Striders. Like Silent Striders don't have the ability to have ancestors on their sheet, mm-hmm. right? But there is a, there's a merit that lets a Silent Strider have it. But it's supposed to be super rare. So right. most silent shredders have it. Yes, because right. ancestors is super useful. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's a problem. Yes, though, which is. is part of what we're ta- going to talk about in a few minutes. But yeah, like you could have a power on your sheet that makes you rare and unusual, like like something like a background or something that's or a, unusual. even a magical item. I've played characters in D and D games, especially in which I got a cool magic item early on, especially back when everybody used to randomly roll for stuff. Right, that became character defining. And it made me unusual. Yeah. Yeah. I think your character's history could also make you rare and unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like that your uh-huh was a little bit like, uh-huh, yep, no. those stupid histories. <laughs> <laughs> Talking I hate, histories. I hate reading oh. histories. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
one of the frustrating things as a mush staffer right. is like if you look at someone's sheet and you go, okay, yeah, the sheet seems solid. Okay, let's just approve. And it's like, wait, no, I need to read their history. Make yes. sure. And then when you read the history, they're like, and then I went to space. Oh. And you're like, whoa, wait, what just happened here? Yo, and there's nothing on their sheet that supports it. There's nothing in the genre of the game that supports it. And then they're like, and then and you're like, stop. Right. Just, whoa. I once read a character history. It was 20 pages long and it was a great story. And I'm like, it's a shame. That, that it doesn't <laughs> work. We yeah. can't use this. And you have to be careful when you're talking about, and we'll get more of this later, but when you're, when you're sort of policing your genre a little bit, you have to be careful because a lot of times rare and unusual histories are what makes rare and unusual powers or qualities or races work. Like we were talking about Worf, right? Like Worf is rare and unusual because he is, um, he's a, a Klingon in Starfleet and that's made possible because he's a Klingon raised by humans. You know, like, and so you have to, as these things start to stack, they become more less believable. Yes. They can become less believable. They can become more disruptive. Yes. Um, or, you know, they could be fine. It depends on your game. You know, Worf happens to work okay. Well, I think it's something we've <laughs> talked about a little bit in the past is that uh, in LARP, and maybe Mush, I'm not mm-hmm. as familiar, but they're, they can be very similar. Yeah. Uh, that the less RNU you have, the better it seems to work. Yes. Whereas in tabletop, it doesn't matter nearly as much because your party can be the group of weird people in the normal world. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get to, yeah. to making all that stuff work together. Uh, but I think you know history's important because there there are things in in character histories that can make them rare and unusual. You know, I always joke about the Abyssian bred red Tarask that you know always came up in the <laughs> old Dungeons and Dragons game I used to play in. So my problem with rare and unusual. <laughs> Histories is that it usually gives the player a bunch of hidden knowledge that they're not really supposed to have. Yeah, that aren't represented on their sheet. Not represented on a sheet mm-hmm. and not appropriate for the game. Yeah, you have to be careful when something's rare and unusual in a history. As a storyteller, you need to make sure that it follows through onto the mechanics. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I think the last thing that contributes to a character being rare and unusual is, is how they relate to the rest of the party. And I don't mean how they interact. I mean... I mean that if you have a game that is made up of all rare and unusual creatures, mm-hmm. then none of them are rare and unusual in your game. Mm-hmm. Right. So you need to either be running that game in which they're not rare. Right. And be upfront about it. And lean into it. And lean into it. Or you need to police it. Right. Either way, there's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean the types either, type of creature either, because it could be like everyone in your party is not a magic user. That makes magic users rare and unusual in yeah. the game. Mm-hmm. So, I once played long, long, several decades ago. Several, several decades. Ago. Legend. I was in a LARP group that was a Shadow Puppet Theater. Is this the one where the where they hit each other with rocks and stuff? What? No, your Boffer LARP group was weird sounding for some reason. It's not. First of all, it's not a Boffer. Okay. Anyway, what? go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um. You know, he wasn't like this before prison. I know, right? <laughs> Um, You've never known pre-prison. <laughs> you don't even know what it was like in prison. You know, we had been we had been playing World of Darkness games, and we would do like a year of vampire, and then we'd have a one-shot game, and then we'd have a year of another game that genre, fun. and then they'd have a one-shot game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's how they, they kind of broke it up. Um, and one one time, one of their one-shot games happened to fall in for April. So they so decided they did an April Fool's game where they went, you want to play rare and unusual? Make whatever you want. Was it good? I wouldn't say it was good, <laughs> but it was very fun to play whatever you wanted. Was it cathartic? Right. Yes. You got it out of your system, and then it was like, poof, I'm good. Like, yeah. I played a a skinwalker. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I, I, I played a... Um, uh, a kinfolk that was um, I had killed a bunch of werewolves and made a skin out of it and I became I like a it. werewolf and then halfway through the game one of the sabat shoveled me like it was ridiculous <laughs> and that's what made it so fun is it was so ridiculous that I could be like well I can check that off my box right and never have to want to play that again but you know if you're running a game this, this kind of leads into this idea that like if everyone in your party is a good guy and you have one player playing a bad guy yeah. secretly mm-hmm. he's your rare unusual yes. creature yes. or vice versa. If you're running an evil game, 
and you have one person in the group that's secretly a good guy, mm-hmm. same thing. That's your, your rare, unusual creature. It is totally okay to have a rare and unusual creature or two or three or whatever in your game. Yeah. Or to not have any. There isn't a right or wrong because ultimately, if your table's having fun, what's best for your table is going to be best decided by your table. Yes. And even in LARPs, in which games, most games that we've run, we've tended to be somewhat restrictive. Right. That is more about maintaining the genre of the game that we wanted to run. Exactly. It's not about, uh, it's not a judgment against people who want to play something different because we've all played something different. I, right. I, w- I was a skin dancer that That's got right. shoveled, so yeah. Now I want to play a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to play a mummy. Oh, they're cool. They've got all these medallions, and they all give I'm, them cool powers. I'm, I'm, playing, Ambulance. I'm playing a mummy in the mush. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? The, in the, uh, in the, the, the high school mummy. Yeah, the high school. Superhero game. Uh, yep. are you, do, do you have a cape or just bandages? No. You I just have I, a bandage cape. No. <laughs> I just realized, Carrie, that in our podcast, Jason's the rare and unusual creature because he has a criminal record. I just, oh, oh, there we go. You're never going to let that Because I'm fearless down. and make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the, the nuts and bolts of having rare and unusual creatures in the games that that you have, that well, you're participating in. So let's, let's talk about it from the storyteller perspective first, since okay. that's kind of our expertise more than anything. I'm just an expert on uh, everything. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you are waiting for people to be better than you at things. That's right. So that's you can right. take advantage of their skills. <laughs> I just, like today, I just found out you are better at prison than I am. <laughs> and I, that makes me feel super good. I'm like, that's, yay. That's because some... you're so soft. Oh, I know. And easily, you know. That 48 hours, that 48 hours would have broke me. It probably <laughs> would have. Well, to be fair, you wouldn't have been all the shit all weekend. <laughs> well, speaking of taking a shit, then, let's talk about storytellers. Okay. <laughs> so, so how do you handle them in your game, Ryan? Well, Storytellers? I, <laughs> I, I think when you're a storyteller and you're dealing with rare and unusual creatures, I think, first of all, you have to realize that there's a few different ways you can you could be dealing with them, right? You might be running a rare and unusual NPC. Right. Or one, you're running your game for a player that's playing a rare mm-hmm. and unusual character. So I think, first of all, and, and I think with both of those instances, the very first thing is, as a storyteller, your responsibility is to know the genre of that rare thing. Or so you that should do a research. Yeah. yeah, like if it's in your game, know what it, know what it is. I used to be a bit of a genre police, right? Sure. And I've I have grown into this. He's better, really. He's better. That's well, really he's better. But I'm at the point now where I kind of feel like you know your genre is your genre, and as long as it doesn't affect my genre, you know I, I'm not so worried about it anymore. I think you should be running the game like that is fun for you, and mm-hmm. if that hurts my genre, that's okay. I'm not playing in it. I'll play a different game. I'm playing in a different yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, and so it's, I don't find it as big a deal as I used to. Even so, you should still know the genre, even if you're choosing to break it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And breaking's it, it's probably of, a strong... Breaking's a strong word. It's but. like art. You need to know the rules before you can break the rules. Right. I think yeah. that's true of everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that, you know, if somebody's going to play... If you're running an all-vampire game and somebody wants to play a, a werewolf in it, then take five minutes and know a little bit about werewolf. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're running a Dungeons & Dragons campaign and somebody wants to play a... a Robot. <laughs> Well, you know, if your whole campaign is made up of humans and somebody's going to come in and and they want to play a a drow, take a minute to... Can it be a robotic drow? A robotic drow. Yeah. Eberron. Right? But take a minute to understand a little bit about drow. Yes. You know, I mean, most of that onus can be on the player, but but you should still know what's in your game. (laughs) No, I'm just imagining... Beep, bop, boop. (laughs) You know, one of the things that... uh, I am able to see in the dark. I am dreadful. Beep, beep, bop, boop, bop. So there used to be this podcast called the LARPcast, and I've talked about it a couple of times, but they talked about the issue with people wanting to play rare and unusual characters in your game. And mm-hmm. one of their approaches was that you you had to understand what they were asking. Right. And you also had to frequently think about what do they really want. Right. Yeah. Because that tells you more than what they're actually asking for uh, about what the character is. Right. I think that you're always... In danger of an RNU character, whether it's a PC or an NPC, there's always a little bit of a danger of it being inadvertently overpowered or uh, attention stealing. Yeah, attention stealing is the big one I notice. Well, I have a rule when I'm running a game. I try never to use a rare and unusual creature 
uh, as an NPC unless there's no other choice. Um, I feel like that it detracts from the unusualness that the PCs are already bringing to the table, and it shifts the focus to this thing is weird. Yeah, I think your players should always be more special than your NPCs. And sometimes that's tricky, especially if the genre makes your NPCs special by default. Right. Uh, of course, you know, World of Darkness games tend to have these super powerful NPCs, so if you're going to run them, they're rare. A Methuselah villain is always going to be more special compared to a bunch of caitiffs in your player party, Yes, absolutely. Right? And, and if you're running Dungeons & Dragons, having that uh, weird lich that's in town, it's right. weird. It's more rare than your characters yeah. are by default. But you should be aware of the fact that they should be the most special people that anyone meets. I also think that you have to be careful, too, that, that having a rare or unusual villain or it's sometimes it's inadvertently a substitute for having an interesting story. Like what's interesting about this story is that the villain is this rare and unusual creature. And you got to be careful of that because that doesn't really. That's not a story. Right. It doesn't make it an interesting story. No, uh, that's now that's not to be on the flip side. Though. These are these are all generalizations. Right. Yeah. On the flip side, you know, sometimes your story, you need to have a rare unusual to tell the story you want to tell. Right. And there is something fun for players to be able to be like, oh, my God, we just talked to a lich. But like, you have to make it interesting first. Right. There's right. got to be a story along with it. But I'm saying, like, don't I don't want uh, new storytellers or, or new game runners to be like, I can't ever use a rare and unusual NPC. Sometimes players like to interact with those things. Right. That's completely fair. Yeah. Uh, while I run more LARP than anything else, and it's more of an issue there, uh, in tabletop, it's it's completely different. But even in LARP, like you're saying, mm-hmm. people do want to interact with weird stuff. I once ran a scene in one of the werewolf LARPs that I ran where the players finally got into this location that they didn't know about. You like They were like, this is where the bad guy is hosting and having a bunch of his stuff. And they walked in. And they started looking around, and they realized it was a trophy room. Oh. And they walked in, and they were like, is that a... And they started naming off rare and unusual creatures that these items had come from. And the fact that this NPC had somehow beaten all of these other rare and unusual... And, and collected trophies. And, co- and collected parts. trophies from them. Like, they were just like, what the hell is this? Right. And, and they were so excited... And it was great, but I didn't have to shove it down their throats. And and it wasn't so overpowering that everyone was like, well, I can't play my my werewolf anymore because it's not special. And on on the flip side, related to that, we were a little bit about policing genre, is recognize that there are some types of rare and unusual bad guys that players have the opposite opinion of and they're they're sick of. Like Mm -hmm. this idea that uh, I mean. This like in a werewolf game, since that's the what you had just brought up. You know, werewolf players. Well, what we, we've played more of that than anything. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Our advice is general. We do have references but, from things we played. But as a general else. rule, werewolf players roll their eyes at having to fight an abomination, right? Because it is a rare and unusual creature that is not rare and unusual well, for storytellers to run. In in the world of darkness, it's kind of the first rare and unusual creature. <laughs> right. well, like, well, that's true. Is it I mean, the not only in books, wasn't it? Not, yeah, I was going to say, not only, though, in the books, but it's the first rare and unusual creature that new storytellers go to. It's mm-hmm. a, An abomination is a werewolf that has been bitten by a vampire and becomes a vampire werewolf creature. Mm-hmm. And and the, the short version of it is it's also an easy, rare creature. Okay, there's another it's thing an easy about choice. It. Uh, independently, without ever talking to each other or knowing about what the other one was thinking, uh, both of our children suggested vampire werewolf villains to us yeah. on different days. Right. Yes, and so, so there is something even, there. Even a nine-year-old and a twelve-year-old. Yeah, 11, you know what? Like, I think he was twelve at the time, but yes. yeah, you know. I mean, and there's that's okay. It's not. This is again not to say that fighting an abomination couldn't be a fun plot for your game. Oh, absolutely. And you land one, and it was fun. Right. But also recognize, you know, as you're considering rare and unusual, that like special is good and sometimes special is bad. Although I think a good way of putting it is that every single thing you run as a storyteller should have a story. Right. And so. What? Right. So if you're starting your story with, 
hey, wouldn't it be, wouldn't cool, it be if cool if I no. have an abomination in my game and you right. don't have anything else for that, then that's where you've messed up. Not when you've added the rare and unusual. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You just got to hold it to the same standard you would any other NPC, villainous or otherwise. Well, right. Think about if you were reading a, a story, like a book. Right. And then they just threw in a random We've weird all read books thing. like that. Right, but then it's always <laughs> jarring and you're like, what? This has nothing to do with the plot. Look, I'm not here to shit on Tom Bombadil all day, but we can if you want to. <laughs> I, I don't know who that is. Oh, you're be good. It's it's one of the Lord of the Rings characters. There's a whole section. Oh, it all makes sense now. Yes, you, you don't here, like Lord of the Rings hold on. at all. It's like it's like Stephen King going, and then it's a giant space spider. Right. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. So let's talk a little bit now. You're a storyteller and one of your characters, one of your players is playing a character that's rare and unusual. Okay. Obviously, we begin with, you should know the, the genre. Read right? it. You should also expect your player to know the genre. Like, I believe that when a player comes to me as a storyteller and they say, I want to play this rare thing, the first thing I should consider is, are they able to to play that. And I don't mean judge them, but just, is this a player who refuses to ever read any book? I'm probably not going to let them play a rare and unusual creature. Let's talk about the simplest part of that. If you're playing D&D and somebody is brand new and they say, I want to play a wizard. And then you say, you need to read these four pages of spells before we even start this conversation. And they're like, ah, no, I, I, I'll just, just show me a couple of things. That's a problem. Right, right. So let's turn that around to you want to play something really rare in my setting that gives you some weird hinky powers that are maybe a little different than everybody else's. Or could possibly break the game for others. could break the game for others. Then you're going to want to make sure that player is responsible. And you haven't even read, like, if there's a splat book for that character or if there's a uh, uh, more information that people have on that. If you haven't bothered to even look at that stuff. Yeah. Then maybe it's you're not ready for it. Or if they're a brand new player. I was going to say, I, I remember we used to have a rule that we told everyone they had to play a basic concept. First. First. I like that. And then when they were done with that, then we would let them maybe play a rare or unusual the next time they could apply for it. And a lot whatever. of times players would get mad at that and feel like we were asking them to prove you're, it. You're gatekeeping. But, but you're not. What you're doing is, I, I believe what you're doing is protecting the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're, no, I you're actually caring for your gaming community by making sure that this one thing doesn't ruin the fun for everyone else. Well, it's not just that. It's a lot to learn to role play and how to role play a specific thing that is different than everybody else's. Yes. Right. Also, most games, if you play something that's outside of the norm, it means that you aren't part of the community in game. Right. So you also else. have to figure out how to get in. Right. I, so you've got a ton of stuff you got to figure out first thing. Yes, I play uh, in the the Shadow Puppet Theater one time. We we did a uh, Wild West werewolf. Yes, once and they were very excited and they were like, "Hey, we want you to play a Korax." And okay. I'm like, "Oh, cool! I've made, it's rare and unusual. I've yeah. never done this." And then I, I read the book, you know, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it exactly how it is." And then I sat there outside of everyone watching them. Oh. For the entire right. two days of camping, because that's what Corex do. Right, <laughs> they watch listen. everyone and yeah. listen, and they don't interact. And it was so boring. And right. they were like, "You played a perfect Corex," and I was like, "Never right, again, oh. never again." So I also, I also think as a storyteller who is going to run for a, a player that wants to play a rare and unusual, I think you also need to consider whether or not you're going to limit the number, the quantity of rare mm-hmm. and unusual. Now, this, again, comes back to that idea that if you're running a, a game that is made up where if all of the characters are rare and unusual in your game, then none of them are, and that's fine. That's cool. Yeah, There's but no just reason be aware of that. Yeah. You know, again, know run, your what, genre. run what your table's having fun with. Yeah. But if you're running, if you're in a LARP, that is part of a national organization where there are 30 games that each have 30 players in them. You know, there are hundreds of players in your LARP organization. Well, if your whole game is made up of rare and unusual creatures, that can offset rare and unusual creatures in other games. Mm-hmm. Well, again, you're making things not rare other places. Right. So you need you're to taking, be- You're taking the special- well, you yeah. need to respect the other games and realize that uh, you're you're kind of 
they need changing room, the balance. They need room to have their share as well. Right. Now, and that's not to say that approving these characters for the local game is bad. And there's a lot of uh, gatekeeping goes on in some of these orgs that make it so that it's next impossible to ever get to play anything rare. Though my understanding is most of them are slowly changing to more of a I do believe be required to know what you're talking about instead of I do no, you believe can't do it. though in in an org where everyone is sharing genre mm-hmm. part of the cost of that is I think a little bit of gatekeeping is actually necessary and I know gatekeeping is normally viewed as this like bad thing but I think uh, so is having a genre that is so skewed that it is not fun for everyone. Well, the problem for me, as a person who's played in orgs and run in orgs, is that if genre becomes so skewed that someone new coming in doesn't recognize it based on the book that they've read, yeah, then you're yeah. driving new players away. Right. And you have to protect that. And so unfortunately, a little bit of rare and unusual becomes needing to be gatekept. But I think that's more of a LARP Lumping in an org issue. An org thing, yeah. absolutely. And I also think that whomever is the top-tier people for that org need to make a very strong decision very early on and communicate it very clearly. What those what, expectations are. What the expectation is and what they want from everybody. And yeah. I think that almost every org that I've been part of has not been great at that, even the one in which I was the person who was supposed to do that. Right. <laughs> I also think as a storyteller, you need to be careful to not spill the secrets of of those rare and unusual creatures in your game. Like if you for example, if I'm playing a character that has a secret that makes that's rare and unusual on their sheet. I have some sort of like I'm the spy, right? Yes. Then when I show up to game Friday night, what I don't need is for my or don't want is for my storyteller to make some joke while we're oh look is that infiltrator there yeah whatever Ah. you're just saying that because you're secretly the the evil character right in or out of character you need to respect those secrets if the player wants to tell everybody it's their it's they're allowed to it's their secret it's their secret they can they're allowed to come out to Mm -hmm. the other players sure they choose to and it's not just a respect thing you're also going like there is an amount of fun. To have yes. something like that revealed. Uh, I don't know if you re- if, if this came to mind or not, Ryan. I had a character in the very first LARP I ever ran. He went bad. Like it was like I was like, okay, there's like five bad guys in you. Do you want me to run them killing you? Or I'm giving you the option that they can brainwash you and by the time you come back Turn. you're gonna be my secret spy in oh, the that in fine. the in the game. And he goes, Well, I'm totally doing that. And I was like, wonderful. <laughs> And, and he happened to be a good role he player. He was a, yeah. Chris was Chris Brown. He was an amazing role player, right? And so he comes back in and he goes, Whew, I got back by the skin of my teeth. And everyone was like, Yay! And for six months, he was the secret spy and he would just you know do all these sneaky awesome things. And when it was revealed that he was the spy, like players lost their minds. And if we had told them out of character immediately, it wouldn't have been fun at all. Well, I think that uh, like any great movie or book, you want secrets to be revealed. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to be spoiled. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was no spoils there. Well, let's go ahead and switch over and talk a little bit now about about your responsibility as a player. So you're a player playing a rare and unusual character. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So the very first thing, again, is... Know the genre of what you're playing. Because <laughs> if you're going to break the rules, you got to know the rules. Right. So if you're going to play something outside of the norm in your game, you need to understand what that game is like and also what your specific rare thing is like. Right. Although I, I will say breaking, knowing the rules to break the rules doesn't mean break the rules of the genre that you're playing. Right. Like, right. if I'm going to play this rare and unusual thing, then play that genre of the rare and unusual thing. Don't be like, well, I'm I'm a whatever, you know, fantastical crazy thing and then have like something special on top of that. You don't need to be a special special special. I I think what you're getting at is that normally normally in any genre, 
you want your PCs, your player characters, to be the exceptions. Right. Right? Yeah. But if you're playing a rare and unusual character, you are that's the, that's the yes. exception. Don't be an exception to your exception. So if I'm a I don't wanna don't play a character that's a rare and unusual creature who is also rare and unusual amongst For that, that kind. Yeah. So my rule of thumb whenever running or a playing is one dumb thing per sheet. <laughs> so like if I'm going to do I if want I'm a gonna, t-shirt that says that. <laughs> so like if I'm playing the samurai in the Wild West setting, I'm not a uh, uh oh, I don't know, a wizard samurai too. You know, I'm I'm a samurai. That's enough. That's, yeah, enough. that's good. Or don't be good. don't be a samurai who believes he's a Mexican bandito. Oh, yeah, because well, <laughs> cuz that's dumb. So, here's here's the reason why though is because you're representing an entire group. Right. And when so you're you playing should, something weird. So, by the the thing that makes you special is that you are rare and unusual. So, right. lean into those stereotypes. Mm-hmm about those that type of character. Yes. Because you are special already. You don't have to be special special. Right. Cuz cuz if you're if you're playing a samurai that is acting like a bandito, then just play a bandito. Absolutely. Oh, I, here's what I hate. <laughs> wow. Oh, he I got, got a rant. I got, got rant. all right. Okay, Woo. so one of the things that I despise is people who play infiltrators in games and they're better members of the the group that they're infiltrating than the people who are in it. And then they get mad. They get mad because they're like, well, I was the best whatever of all these people. I was doing better. I'm like, well, then you should have just played that thing. Right. Because you were doing great at that. Right. And the only thing that made your character less interesting is the thing that should have made them more interesting. Right. So if you're a spy or an infiltrator or something like that, it's only fun for anyone, yourself included, if you get caught, which right. means you can't yeah. be perfect. Perfect. You yeah. should be still playing a little bit of the guy that you are. Yeah. And I think that this leads into the fact that you should also respect and help police the genre of the rare and unusual thing you are. Yeah. So my example of this is is I used to play uh, in, in the old werewolf LARPs. I, I had a stargazer named Niren. We right? were briefly in the same pack. And stargazers... Tragically. What makes stargazers rare and, made stargazers rare and unusual is that there were very few of them, and they had particularly unusual powers. Yes. Uh, in, in werewolf, gifts and disciplines and things all feel very thematic. They all feel the same. But because uh, because stargazers were from uh, from the, the, east. the east, right? They were they were from from Asia. They had powers that felt thematically different than what the mm-hmm. rest of the werewolf characters were playing, and and so I would play that character with a little bit of mis- mystery, right? Because if I'm the odd one out and I've got the weird powers, then I want to be able to. Um, like what makes me special is that nobody really knows quite what I can do. So you can't just announce it the first so game? So you don't just announce it when I walk <laughs> in the room, right? But, but on the flip side, if I would encounter someone who was playing a stargazer and they were playing them just like they would play any other werewolf, it used to really, it would hurt my character. Well, because then everybody else is like, Niren, why are you being a weirdo? Right. Suddenly I was not, I was not rare and unusual. I was odd. Yes. Right. And and the thing is, if you're going to play that character just like any other character, then just play another character. Right. Play play rare and unusual because it's rare and unusual and lean into the the those things, the secrets of those things or the the style of those things. You know, like it's uh, we joke a lot about like this idea that if in again, in a werewolf game, right, somebody playing a, a, a werewolf that was born as a human Versus someone playing a werewolf that was born as a lupus, you should be able to tell them apart. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be role played exactly the same way. Fair, right? They're not more rare or unusual than one another, but just distinctive. But there's still a different genre to each of them. Right. I played a lupus for a while, and I hated all the other lupus who did not play Mm -hmm. lupus. Right. When lupus (laughs) roll in, and they're like, "What up, yo?" I was. (laughs) I'm. I'm just like all the other homies. (laughs) You know. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, what that meant. I don't either. But okay. but when when somebody rolls up as a as a lupus, you know, I, I, w- I was born as a 
I was born as a wolf, but that's okay because I understand mathematics and science. Way better than most of the rest of you. Yeah. like You know, I, yeah. I'm even willing to say that they could have one thing that they sat down and really spent a bunch of time learning. Sure. Mm-hmm. But when they've got the they're exact... Because they're not stupid. Not stupid. They're just different. Right. But when you have the same sheet as somebody who is come from a completely different background as you, what's the point? Right. With a hominid and a lupus, the lupus should outhunt the Hamid. Well, let's make and the and the Hamid should uh, should outscience the lupus as a generalization. Well, one of the examples. First of all, let's make it clear because not everybody plays werewolf. Lupus are born from wolves. Hamids are born from human. When I played a lupus, somebody once said, "Oh, I didn't get this because I thought of it very literally, like a person does. This cause effect. That's how things work. You didn't think like that at all, so you get this other thing. So I could actually make that work." Uh, for example, I was like, hey, you need to go check these three things out that a wolf would check. Right. That you didn't because you're a human. Yeah. I couldn't go check him out because I didn't understand how to drive to that place and right. do those things. <laughs> right. So he could do all that stuff. Our right. perspectives were different. But and you that's thought, important. I'm going to sniff this. Yes. Right? <laughs> he thought, he thought I'm going to take photos and check the interwebs. Right. And you thought, I'm going to smell. But when what made it interesting is when you combine those two different approaches, you got more answers. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's important of any rare and unusual creature, especially, is that, you know, lean into what you are and then respect and, and help police that, you know. Because if you're not going to do it, what's the point in playing something rare anyway? Right. And don't it, share don't it, share your secrets. Is it because you really wanted the well, cool powers and that's all it was? There's nothing. Because the powers are cool, but they come with a price. There is nothing more frustrating. This happens in, like, uh, mushes a lot of times, too, where people will walk into scene and go... Hello, I am Bob, and I am new here. Let me tell you everything about my people. <laughs> and you're just like, Bob, what? shut up. Right. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, and like, I've actually private messaged people, and I was like, don't, don't tell everyone everything right away. Yeah. Don't. I was like, save that for the reveal. Yeah. Partly, like, partly because in real life, we don't just walk into a room and announce our skills. Well, okay. To be fair, we've known each other for Dakota's age. Right. And th- today is the first time you found out I've been to jail. Right? That's a skill. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that That's you right. had the superpower of, you know, felony. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh! Look, I'm hardened and you're not. And That's we, right. Yeah. Yeah. But but the point is is very, very well made, though. Like, pe- like, people don't just walk into a room and announce their skills. And so your rare, unusual creature should not walk in and reveal their special powers. Absolutely. Or their secrets of their people. <laughs> I always... I always feel like when people do that, like they're walking in and then ripping off the rubber mask like in Scooby-Doo. Ah! <laughs> You're like, like, hey, man, that's oh. third act stuff. Yes, right. that. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> and I also, I also think it's important, too, that you're, as, as a player playing a rare and unusual creature, that you're respecting the other people around you who are, are playing the same rare and unusual creature. Well, part of the reason why you lean into the genre is because... Uh, for for example, like you said, if someone's going around giving away uh, Stargazer secrets, suddenly your secrets have no value. Right. Yeah. We, and in a lot of games, secrets have value. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like in a story. You want to learn things, but you don't, wanna, you don't want the author to drop it all on you in the first chapter. Right. You want to learn it as the story goes well, on. You want to be shown. You don't want to be told. Absolutely. Yes. Well, you know, that's another thing. It's not good role playing to sit down and compare sheets. Yeah, you know what that ugh, is? That's ugh. bragging about your powers. That's right. It's not it's not really fun. Right. It's not fun for you to do beyond the well, bragging. And it ruins yeah. the fun of the other people who have those same powers that are rare and unusual. Yes. Yeah. Now, even in games that don't have a lot of different weird powers, it's secrets. Secrets are more fun if they're revealed over time, not mm-hmm. immediately. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you don't sit down and tell somebody your life story the first time you meet them. Clearly. Even if they're your psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and I think the the last thing about playing a rare and unusual creature is that you have to be very careful that you aren't stealing the show. Absolutely. I've seen it. People will come in with something a little different. and uh, It's a look at me. It's a look at me, which a, a little bit about that's fine, you know? You know, I, I have a habit of playing look at me. Sure. And, I, and I know I do. But I also try to direct... My look at me, I go, hey, everybody, look at me, and now I'm making you all go do this thing over here. Yeah, you know, right. like, well, um, you have an obligation if you're playing a loud character. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but the rare and unusual is a whole other, different level of look at me. Not better or worse no. than a loud character. But if you're playing a loud 
rare and unusual. <laughs> but but you know if you're if you're stealing the show with your rare and unusual qualities, you know you're making it so that other players aren't getting the attentions from the storyteller that they might want. Mm-hmm. You know, and that becomes even uh, particularly particularly frustrating when it's just a, a table of six of you on Friday night. Yeah. You know, playing playing at a tabletop game. It becomes really difficult. You know, it's that one guy who is hogging the ST's attention. Moment. Who's always dragging the ST into the kitchen for Because he's got a rare secret. <sighs> okay. I have been that guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I used to play Shadowrun. Right. We played for a couple of years. Had a, a great time. But there was this problem where at least every third game... I was the hacker, right? Right. So we spent most of that game doing my hacking stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't really mean to, and I didn't recognize what I was doing until much later. Right. But I would monopolize the game every well, third game because I was the one who could do all the, the Matrix stuff. Right. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that happens because you've got an unusual thing on your sheet that, that's like... That's needed. I'm the spy. Yep. So if I'm I the spy, go. I have to role play reporting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the one that gets visions. Right. So it's uh, up yeah. to you and the storyteller to to figure out how to do that in a way that's not disruptive to others. Yeah. You know, well, whether that's do that stuff before game starts or just hand wave a little bit of it. Email it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I've been reading that game. Blades in the Dark, and right. one of the cool things they do about all that sort of information gathering and reporting back. A lot of that stuff, they're like, look, that's fun for two people to role play. Right. And so sometimes that's okay. But you've got to entertain four people or more. Yeah. So instead of monopolizing all that person's time but playing out the scene that's cool for just the two of you every week, what you do is you hand them, here's what you know, or you hand, have them give you that back. This is it. And you just make it quick, to the point, informational only, so they can get back into entertaining everybody else as well. Right. Yeah, there's no. Re- Sometimes you can just be like at the end of the night as everyone's leaving, just pull the ST aside and go. Just so you know, I report everything that happened tonight to my cro- right. to my folks. Yeah. If you do it Done. in a system that does downtimes, you turn it in as a downtime, mm-hmm. and your downtime might even just say, "I tell them everything." Sure, <laughs> you know that's if your okay. storyteller's okay with that level of detail. That's absolutely fine. That's right. my favorite level of detail. Yeah. I do the thing. Oh, well, okay. But you know what? Ah. One of the reasons why I like some of these systems with mechanical downtimes is because I don't have to think. I'm like, sure, <laughs> you're doing these three things? I check these three boxes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> On with the rest of my life. So uh. ultimately, really, the, the biggest thing, I guess, in conclusion with rare and unusual creatures is just, you know, know the genre, respect the players and characters and storytellers all, you know, equally like everybody be respectful of one another as you're doing it that sounds like great advice and only do one dumb thing at a time yeah (laughs) one dumb thing on your sheet that's right right. try to keep it try to keep it cool try to keep it respectable you know if it starts to not be fun for anybody you know reevaluate how it's playing out Mm -hmm. and you know what that other person who doesn't like it maybe it's on them but it's very least some people are just poops yes but you should take a moment to think is am i a problem Right. Am I being a poop? Am I the poop here? Am I the poop? <laughs> I'm a big fan of going, hey, Carrie, I noticed that every time I do this rare and unusual creature thing that you roll your eyes. Is there, <laughs> is there anything Is there anything I can do to make it not so annoying for uh, you? Are we still talking about his stargazer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go, to, let's go to game wrap. Okay, welcome to Game Wrap. Let's just quickly let folks know uh, that you can find us at... Here. You can find us here. That's true. At this okay. house. At this house. Yeah. We're You're also welcome. on iTunes, Stitcher, and all those other places you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you go to iTunes and re- give us a nice review there. That actually helps us quite a bit. Let's more people see yeah. that the show exists. And it's, re- and it's really nice when we get those. It makes yeah. us happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You can also find our website, onarollpodcast.com. Dot com. We're also on Twitter, at onarollpodcast. Tweet, 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 tweet. Facebook.com slash group slash onarollpodcast. And we'd like to tell everybody that's just joined our Facebook group. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Right. We just had a, a mass... Uh, Flood yeah. of people coming in. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, you can send us an email at hosts at honorrollpodcast.com. 
And of course, we'd love for you to become a patron of the podcast, which gets you free stuff at pa- stuff. patreon.com slash on a roll podcast. So that brings us to the end. Jason, you get uh, 50 experience points today. Mm. It's true because hard time really. That's paid, right. Yeah. It's, well, it's I had the best backstory. That's true. <laughs> yes. You're just afraid of him, aren't you? <laughs> he should just, be. And, and don't shiv me. Yeah. <laughs> While you play basketball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. Oh, my gosh. Would that be if somebody shanked you while you were playing basketball in prison? Would that be your court costs? Uh, so you have a good joke for the end, though, right? I feel <laughs> like you guys are going to send me to the penitentiary. Oh, no, no. That's better. That's better. Yeah. Is it better? Yeah, yeah that's better. Mm. Uh, you know, Jason's favorite punctuation mark is the period. It marks the end of his sentence. Oh, that's not How bad. was that one? That one okay, yeah. It's old, though. All it's right. Old. Yeah. That, that's all right. Uh, Carrie, you get 10 XP. 10. Yep. And then you also get uh, five more XP for good behavior. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'll try to misbehave more next time. That's right. Yeah. Well, anyway, join us next week when we talk about the new LARP gaming the system, which is all about Jason's time in prison. <laughs> right. Until next time, remember the only way to win a role playing game is to have fun. And stay out of jail. <laughs> stay out of jail, guys. I mean, okay, to be fair, if people are in jail and listening to our podcast, that's As okay. long as they contribute to Patreon, I don't care. That's true. <laughs> that's on the honor roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else all of the music is courtesy of kevin mcleod at incompetech.com